When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 19, Episode 6. This is Writing Excuses. A miniseries on revision with Allie Fisher. Length. I'm Mary Robinette. I'm Dong Wan. And with us this week, we have a special guest, which is executive editor at Tor Publishing Group, um, Ali Fisher. Um, Ali acquires and edits speculative fiction and nonfiction across young adult, middle grade, and adult categories, and is, as a bonus, a cast member of the podcast Rude Tales of Magic, which is a D&D flavored comedy podcast. Um, but really, Ali's here in her capacity as an editor um, and has worked on a, a very wide range of incredibly uh, successful titles in, in, in speculative fiction, mostly science fiction and fantasy. Um, yeah, so welcome, Ali. Thank you. Hello, world. I'm so excited <laughs> to be on this podcast. Um, longtime listener, first time being on the podcaster. Uh, I've been listening to Writing Excuses since I think 2010. So is that true? You've been, we've been doing this that long, correct? I mean, next season will be your 20th season. So I don't remember what year we started, but it's been a minute. Yeah, I was, I've been listening to Writing Excuses longer than I've been in publishing. So it's a real (laughs) pleasure. This, this somehow delights me um, and also makes me feel impossibly old. Uh, let's move right into uh, revision, which is also something that makes me feel impossibly old when I get into it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we know that um, we've timed this because we know that a lot of people have just finished NaNoWriMo and that you have written a novel and now you have to figure out what to do with it. So uh, that was why we invited Allie in because, um, you know, as an editor... Uh, she she has a certain understanding of of what happens uh, what happens with novels. So the first thing we're going to talk about is length, because most of the projects coming out of NaNoWriMo are going to be sh- too short. Mm-hmm. Having said that, um, every time I talk to someone about a novel, I always hear them say either, "Oh yeah, I just finished this novel, but it's too long," or "Oh yeah, I just finished this novel, but it's too short." I never hear anyone say, "But it's just right." There's no Goldilocks zone when you finish a novel. Exactly, exactly. And even when novels come to me as an agent or when it goes to the editor at the publishing house, I feel like that is one of the first things we're talking about is like, where does this fit in terms of length? So, you mm-hmm. know, Ali, when a project comes across your desk, um, 
when I send you an email with the most brilliant thing attached uh-huh. to it. Of course. What is your immediate reaction when you start thinking like, oh, I wish this was a little bit on the shorter side. I wish this was a little bit on the longer side. What are the questions that start coming into your mind to help you figure out how to answer that? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, working in speculative fiction, often we're sort of, uh, we see the higher range of a word count on like different novels, novellas, whatever, because there's a lot of additional world building that sometimes takes place in those books, especially at Tor, known for our doorstoppers. Um, <laughs> a wide range, though, really. So depending on the uh, age group that it's for, there tend to be different sort of um, hopes and uh, requests coming in from retailers for their shelves mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, what what there are assumptions of those readers reading lengthwise, right? Middle grade being slightly shorter. Um, YA has really run the gamut at this point, but uh, with adult tending to have potentially the, the longest um, word count that I've seen. Those are those are very broad generalizations, but that tends to be something that is absolutely always on the table uh, in the conversation when those books come in. Um, but that word count conversation also tends to happen after an initial read and just sort of taking stock of, you know, there were promises that were never, that I was excited to read about. And we never saw them or that, you know, there was a lot of atmosphere here, but it felt a little exploratory to your process. And I actually think it could feel bigger if there's less in there. So stuff like that is a little bit more, a little less like let's chop this to a really specific, you know, length and more of what else, what's helpful in telling this story most effectively. Mm -hmm. I'm really glad you said that because one of the things that I see a lot with early career writers is that they will have internalized these rigid ideas of how long a book needs to be. Um, Sometimes they think that they have to cut 10% when they finish a book. Um, Mm. I think they picked that up from Stephen King. Um, Mm. But... Uh, but it's 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 not just cutting like shorter is not better. Longer is not better. It's it's the why of it for me. It's like, why are you trying to cut or expand? And, you know, and that helps inform the places that you're doing it. Um, for me, length, like description, that sort of thing has a lot to do, uh, has a, a strong relationship with pacing. Yes. Exactly. And, you know, I think sometimes when a book can feel too long, that is because the pacing is, you know, it's too drawn out. It's not moving fast. And I'm not getting pulled enough, pulled through this as forcefully as I want to, to have like a really great reading experience. So I think sometimes the idea is, okay, there's some fat we can cut here. There's some extra elements that, you know, aren't quite landing with the reader for whatever reason. And if we remove those scenes, then maybe things will move on a little bit quicker. and then sometimes it can be true on the other side, too, of if everything is always up to 11, it can be really exhausting as a reading experience. You mm-hmm. kind of need those breaks and those breathing points to kind of absorb character information or background information or world building and like really, you know, settle into the the story in a certain ways. So, you know, I think length and pacing often feel very connected. Definitely. Um, it is you know, very hard to know before you get to the stage where you have, you know, confirmed beta readers or an agent or an editor who will read your book and tell you about things like pacing and tell you their, right, their responses to stuff like that. Um, I'm going to bring in something from a a book that I read once. (laughs) 
<laughs> right off Excellent. right off the bat here. Um, there's a book called The Fiction Editor, The Novel and the Novelist. It's very short. I think it's like 170 pages by Thomas McCormick. Um, I don't know much about Thomas, but he was an editor uh, once upon a time. Um, and he has a concept called the master effect. And the concept is the master effect is the cerebral and emotional impact the author wants the book as a whole to have. Um, and goes on to say it can be uh, it's sort of like it's propped up by observation and insight and emotion and experience. So like, what does this all lead to? And I think when you're looking at length, it can be helpful to look at the separate elements as mm-hmm. they like relate to what that big overall feeling is that you want. And it can be sort of like interesting to see what, you know, what inspires that feeling most and what doesn't really add to it. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Especially if you're looking at like tension or something you might find with an eye really clearly set on, Oh, I want this to feel really tense. And then you'll realize like, Oh, this traveling isn't quite getting me there or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's sort of like, you know, we were talking about word count expectations by category and genre that the publisher wants, you know, if it's an epic fantasy, you want it to be this length, whether that's like 100,000 or 120,000 words. If you mm-hmm. want it to hit land with middle grade audits, you want it on the shorter side, you know, whatever that specific range is. Um, but, you know, those aren't, they are arbitrary and they can be very frustrating when you run into them in a, in a yeah. rigid way. But the logic of it does come from somewhere, which is when you're reading an epic fantasy, so much of what you want to be experiencing is that expansiveness, is that breadth of scope and perspective and to get a sense of the politics and the magic and those kind of things. Hmm. And so you're expecting a slightly slower pace when you're coming into an epic fantasy than you would if you were coming into an adventure fantasy, which you want it to be moving a little bit at a brisker pace, getting from action scene to action scene, from tension to tension, a little bit quicker than you would when you're not having big feast scenes or big, you know, courtroom <laughs> politics scenes, right? So I think a little bit of that those length expectations really are driven by genre and category because those connect to certain types of pacing and certain types of reading experiences. So if you're thinking about that, did you call it the master effect? Is that what... That's the, what, the term was. yes, yeah. Thomas when you're thinking it. about the effect that you want to have on your reader for your particular category, that's where length can really be part of the conversation coming into it. It's something that we're going to talk about um, in our next episode where we're talking about intention. Um, uh, Edgar Allan Poe has a, a similar concept, which he calls the unity of effect, where you you kind of think about what is the overall emotional goal that you're you're aiming for, and then everything that you put into the novel goes into that. And and I think that length is one of those things that you're also manipulating as as you're moving through. One of the other things that you said, Ali, at the beginning was talking about, uh, or maybe it was you, Dongwon, um, talking about. Uh, oh, I can see. I can see you've left some of your homework here. Um, <laughs> But there's a, there's another thing that I see authors do and have done myself a lot, which is that we don't really know where the scene is going. So we write our way into it at, to discover it. But then all of that text is still there. Uh, and so I frequently find that um, often the beginnings of scenes and sometimes the ends of scenes are places where the author is trying to figure out how do I get into this scene and how do I get back out of it? That, mm-hmm. you know, you've, you've, you've done the thing that the scene was required, 
and and then you're kind of floundering going like i don't that needs and uh, what's uh and then there's just a lot of text yeah. where you are you are trying to figure out the perfect line and then you don't cut any of it because you don't know which pieces are actually supporting it yeah <laughs> exactly and you know i think i would love to dive into more about how you identify those and some techniques for cutting or adding depending on what you need to do that but let's take a quick break first and we'll talk about the specific techniques when we come back Hey, writers, are you thinking about learning a new language? I think exploring the world, experiencing other cultures, and being able to communicate with people outside your everyday experience lets you create richer, better stories. A great way to do that is with Rosetta Stone, a trusted expert for over 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. They use an immersive technique which leads to fast language acquisition. It's an intuitive process that helps you really learn to speak, listen, and most of all, think in the language you're trying to learn. They also feature true accent speech recognition technology that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's like having a voice coach in your home. Learn at home or on the go with a desktop and mobile app that let you download and access lessons even when you're offline. And it's an amazing value. A lifetime membership gives you access to all 25 languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Japanese, and, of course, Korean. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Writing Excuses listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. For my thing of the week, I wish I could pitch every book I've ever been able to work on. But since it's 15 minutes long and we're not that smart, I'm going to constrain myself to just the most recent publication that I had the genuine pleasure to acquire and edit. This is Infinity Alchemist by World Fantasy and National Book Award winning author Kaysen Callender. Kaysen is the author of Hurricane Child, King of the Dragonflies, uh, Felix Ever After, Queen of the Conquered, and many more. And Infinity Alchemist is their YA fantasy debut, and it rules. It's basically dark academia, but burn the magic school down. Uh, in it, three young alchemists come together to find and then protect the rumored Book of Source before others use it for alchemist supremacy. Uh, mm. And of course, these three heroes end up in a legendary love triangle, and please remember, Real love triangles connect on all sides. The cast is queer, <laughs> mostly trans, mostly POC, and polyamorous, and the magic system is inspired by quantum physics. So it's very original, very cool, um, and available just now as of last week from Tortine. As we come back from break, I would love to start digging into some of the techniques. So say you, you know, coming out of NaNoWriMo, the expectation is you've written 50,000 words, and now you're sitting there thinking, okay, how do I make this a little bit longer? How do I make this feel 
like a full novel that is ready for my a fantasy reader, ready for a YA reader, whoever it is you're trying to reach. So how do you know where to add length? What are the the points of which, how do you add to um, the, the, the volume of the text without slowing down your pacing too much or disrupt or throwing off, you know, your plot structure or your character arcs or whatever it is? First of all, congratulations. Well done. <laughs> I don't... Every time I hear about NaNoWriMo, it sounds absolutely bonkers to me. That is um, extremely impressive. Uh, my my understanding is writing at that sort of sprint pace uh, for a lot of people. Some people, that is a very standard pace of writing. And for a lot of people, it is a real like, you know, pedal to the metal type situation. Um, my guess is you gravitated towards like writing things you were most excited about or like writing towards characters if that was what you were most excited about or writing towards just the world if that was what you were most excited about so it could well be that like there there are full category category elements that are somewhat missing that Mm -hmm. just don't feel as like instinctive or easy or smooth for you as a writer to like write when you're in that zone when you're in that sort of sprint zone so there may be whole categories that have opportunities for lengthening. That makes sense. So you're really looking at it overall and saying, you know, what are the things that I was drawn to when I was putting this together, but maybe not feeling the the sort of holistic sense of, I want to have this effect on my reader. Here's the things I didn't put in here. I'm writing an epic fantasy and all I did was write cool battle scenes. Now I got to go put back the court intrigue now i have to put a romance in here now I have to put in those character arcs that maybe aren't as fleshed out as they were when i was thinking about you know how to get enough words down on the page right so i think yeah. that's a great place to start of just feeling like where are the elements of the story that i want to be putting in that i wasn't thinking about in that moment yeah unless you're pitching oops all battle scenes and then <laughs> it's just a collection of battle scenes which sounds <laughs> badass and you should do that but then you need 20 more battle scenes. <laughs> uh, I would recommend Joe Abercrombie's The Heroes, which is basically <laughs> just one battle uh, over three days for the entire book. So awesome. yeah. yeah. Very cool. Um, so I, uh, what I look for when I'm, I'm doing this is the, the kind of thing that you're talking about, these, uh, the layering of um, layering in, you know, the, the romance element or uh, sometimes you've written a scene and it's only dialogue and there could actually be some description. Maybe we'd like these people to be someplace. So what I look for when I'm going to like layer in description, for instance, is I look for natural pause points. Because when, you, when you're spending words on a description, that the reader has to slow down to read them. So every, every word you've got on the page is, is basically creating a pause in the reader's head between one line of dialogue and the next. Which is why sometimes you've you've had the experience where you see a character answer a question and you don't remember the question that was asked because there's been a ton of description in between those two things. So I'll look for those natural pause points to put in description, but also to unpack emotion. Uh, one of the other things that I find um, when I when I've got a, a finished novel is that at the especially the last third of the novel. I just want to be done with the novel. And so I I like shorthand every emotional experience my character is having. 
And this is a place where you can add length by going back and unpacking the things. And you don't want to unpack every emotion that the character has. You want to unpack the ones that are, again, you know, going with that unity of effect. Um, so I, I think about it as places where I want to add emphasis or remove ambiguity as some of the places that I'm, I'm looking at. Uh, for for unpacking the emotion. Is this an emotion that I want to add emphasis to because it helps you understand the character better? Or is this moment ambiguous? Can I give can I give a little bit more here? Like, did I completely forget to give any physical sensations to my character experiencing an emotion? Totally. So like what you're saying, uh, it could be that at the beginning you have a, you know, uh, when notable emotional experiences happen, you have the full range of you know, the emotion beforehand and the observation and the tension and then the emotion itself and then the internal judgment on the emotion and like go through the entire sort of cycle of that and watching then the reaction or the dialogue that comes after it. And by the end, it's like, oh, she was sad, you know, moving forward. <laughs> <laughs> i read my manuscript. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it works at the time, you know? So like just that's also about balancing and finding that style, those style mm-hmm. similarities across maybe when like different different days felt different levels of, oh no, I have to make up for two days now or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, that you were getting through. Yeah. One of the other hacks that I, uh, that I have for adding length um, is reverse engineering something that I do for short fiction where I, I need to com- compress. And so with short fiction, I try to have everything in a single location. And with novels, sometimes I'm like, oh, I need to make this longer. Where can I send them that I haven't sent them before? Because it will make the world feel richer. It's like, I'll reuse locations. But uh, but sometimes um, sending them someplace else gives me additional words that I have to write because I have to describe this new place. Um, and and again, it can it can make the world seem broader and richer and more interesting if I if I just change location of a scene. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So on the flip side of it, though, you've got something that's a 200,000 word manuscript. You need it to be 110, right? You need to cut a lot out of it because it's simply too big for whatever reason, either for the readership or even sometimes bumping it up against physical limitations of publishing. <laughs> it's yes. hard to remember that we are making physical objects that we're shipping around. And yes. when you print more pages, it gets more expensive. And when it's yes. heavier, it's more expensive. And that can really affect things. So when, for whatever reason, your publisher is saying, hey, we would love this to be shorter. Or if your friends are saying that are just your own instincts, where do you start to make those cuts? What are the things that are either easy things that you can start to look at of being like, okay, across the board, I can start pulling out these scenes. Or what are the more difficult, you know, interwoven elements that you're starting to look at? Uh, as as apparently the only writer in the room. <laughs> um, but we have a lot to say. <laughs> we have a lot to say, but I, I will We have a lot of that. opinions about how writers <laughs> should do things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but since you asked, what's the hard part? Yes. Uh, you have opinions about what I should do, but I can tell yeah. you what's mechanically difficult and what's easier. Um, the easiest way to reduce a bunch of links very fast uh, is to cut a character or a um, or a side quest. Mm. Um, yeah. That'll pull out a ton of length really fast. It can feel daunting when you are thinking about doing that 
because usually it's um, it's woven into the to the book all the way through. So I uh, what I will do is I will um, I have a, an acronym that I use, which is uh, read. I will review, uh, do the easy fixes, audition, and then do it. And so by audition, it, what I mean is that I I will if I have to do a really big edit like that, I'll reverse engineer my outline, and then I will experiment with pulling out those scenes just in outline form to see whether or not the mm-hmm. the basic flow is still there. And then when I get into it and and start the the do it part of it, um, I put all of those into a, a scrap bin because I will almost certainly need pieces of them later. And then largely what I'm doing is I'm having to adjust my signposts, which is the the way I um, exit and enter scenes. Uh, and the the material that the bridging material from getting to from one thing to another when I'm when I'm cutting things um, and then when I'm cutting characters often it's like you just go in and you change the character names and then you have to tweak the dialogue to make it make sense uh, for for that character but it's it's one of the fastest ways to lose a lot of length. Mm-hmm. I also think uh, there's a may, maybe I'm wrong but I feel like generally out there there's a bit of like a demonizing of narrative summary um and it can really go a long way to you know there there are scenes that you that are fully dialogue beat by beat like this is happening that can probably be brought down to a couple sentences um that's you know that's like reducing your darlings i guess or like (laughs) summarizing your darlings summarizing your darlings exactly i think this is where show don't tell can lead you astray right it takes so many more words to show something than to tell something so sometimes if you have this sense of i can summarize this i don't need to walk through every part of this group figuring out what their plan is or you know having this interaction or this conversation you can condense that into a few sentences. You can condense that into a paragraph. And provided you're making that narration interesting and still connecting it to character, I think there are ways that you can give us very large amounts of information very quickly and then keep moving. Um, and that can really accelerate the the read and the pace of the book in a lot of good ways. But Mary Robinette, I, oh, I was just going to say, I just loved what you said about auditioning because I think it can be very daunting and and emotionally taxing to cut things that you wrote and mm-hmm. loved. Um, and I will say as an editor, I have recommended things and been very sad about them and felt, you know, like I genuinely know I'm going to miss this. Uh, but the audition process is such a smart move because then you can like be really honest about whether that's that's going to take something away that is genuinely precious to the book or if it's like mm-hmm. something that was very cool but isn't needed. Because yeah. sometimes you audition and, and find out, oh, that was load-bearing. Yeah. Uh, this whole thing doesn't stand up without that element. And so it's like, okay, we can't touch that one. What else can we do? Unlike, you know, renovating a house, you can actually pull those out and see what happens to the, the whole structure. Yeah. 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 You don't you don't want to pull out a load-bearing wall under any circumstances. <laughs> Unless exactly. you're like, okay, I'm going to have to pull that out. But then a beam of steel... Um, so, but you know, when you're, when you're pulling things out, I'm, I liked what you said about the, uh, the show don't tell and, and the narrative summary, but the other piece that I think a lot of people underestimate when they're, they're thinking about length is how much can happen off stage. 
Mm. Uh, in the gap between scenes, uh, in mm-hmm. the gap between chapters, that you can, I've I found that I can uh, cut an entire scene and just have someone refer to it having happened. That the that the implication is sometimes enough. If if the scene was not doing anything load bearing aside from you know like one thing, that often I can just say, "Oh yes." Uh, I see that you got the diamonds instead of actually showing them go into the store and buy the diamonds. How is diamond exactly. shopping? Yes. Because that's <laughs> exactly. obviously a thing that all of my characters do. So fancy. <laughs> uh, I did not assume that they were buying the diamonds when you set up that scene, but yeah, I mean, you can just <laughs> tell us that a to, thing happened. This is why you need the narrative summary. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> exactly, yes. exactly. Uh, well, apropos, I suppose, for an episode about length, we're running on a little bit on the long side here. <laughs> Um, so, uh, Mary Robinette, I believe you have some homework for us. I do. I want you to, this is a a way to play with length. Um, you're going to find two scenes, uh, that, you know, scenes that are right next to each other. And what I want you to do is I want you to remove the scene break and then write bridging text to connect the two of them. So that, that narrative summary about how they got from point A to point B. Then I want you to find a different scene that has that bridging text and cut it into two different scenes so that you are removing it and creating new signposts, new entry and exit points to get from those two scenes. And I want you to try that, see what it does to length, see what it does to your perception of the pacing. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go edit. We love hearing about your successes. Have you sold a short story or finished your first novel? Tell us about it. Tell us about how you've applied the stuff that we've been talking about. Use the hashtag WXSuccess on social media or drop us a line at success at writingexcuses.com. Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. For this episode, your hosts were Mary Robinette Kowal, Dong Wan Song, Aaron Roberts, and Howard Taylor. This episode was engineered by Marshall Carr Jr., mastered by Alex Jackson, and produced by Emma Reynolds. For more information, visit writingexcuses.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.